Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Man, what a special thing to come around families. I, I just love that. To see the hands raised over, over your families is, is a gift and a blessing. So thank you, families, for taking that next step and being here with us. And we just want to just celebrate because we truly believe, as John was praying, that these would be uh, just kingdom expanders, your children, that God has blessed you. You have disciples in your home to make. That God brings the Great Commission right to your house for you to raise a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so we're blessed and honored to be able to do that with you. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I got one really important question. How many of you in this room have played Mario Kart? N64 to like switch, you guys are in. Grandparents in the room, you know what we're talking about, but you don't know how to play it, right? Yeah, neither, do, neither does my, grand, my parents. They're like, what are we doing with these kids? Just press the buttons, it's all fine. Here's the real important question um, about Mario Kart is what is your favorite power-up? You know the box you hit with the question mark? What's your favorite power-up? On the count of three, I want you to just all shout them out. One, two, three. Red shell. Red shell. I heard red shell. Blue shell was in the early. Mar okay, right on. Listen, we got a professional here. <laughs> Challenges after the service, up in preteen, they got you, all right? My man. A little coster, just like your dad. I love it. All right. Here's, here's what I know. Here's, I'm just going to let you guys know. I love Mario Kart because with a seven and a five-year-old, it's how you occupy time. All right? But Mario Kart is a lot of fun because I get to destroy my children and still have quality time with them. <laughs> I love it. It's the best. And, and here's my personal favorite power because I love to make them cry for quality time. The mushroom is the best power because it gives you what? Super speed. Okay. Older people in the room, it gives you what? Super speed. Okay. We're still going to learn this. We'll have practice later. All right. And the other one are the three turtle shells that, that spin around you because not only is it a weapon, it is a shield. So I can continue to destroy my little dudes in my house and see them in tears because I always get first place. Dad always wins. Okay. That's the most important rule in our home when it comes to Mario Kart. Now, here's what we're going to dive into in scripture today. Here's where it gets a little interesting because today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And for the most part, when we approach the scriptures, we come to this passage and we begin to think about it like the Mario Kart power-ups. All right, if I hit the big question mark, what am I going to get? What special power am I going to get in order to live this Christian life? And I wonder too often, has the church approached this passage and other passages like it in Romans and Ephesians and in 1 Peter? Do we come to these lists of spiritual gifts and we think, and you hear that Mario Kart music, do, 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 and you're like, what am I going to get so that I can live the best Christian life possible? Have we got the focus of our worship wrong and how we are called to live as transformed followers of Jesus, as his disciples? Do we come to this list wrong? And that's just kind of the baseline for the question though, as we walk through this passage, and it's exactly what Paul is doing for the church in Corinth as well. Because they've come to church, they gather together in chapters 11 through 14, or essentially Paul rebuking, correcting, and then instructing them how they're supposed to worship together. We heard a couple of weeks from Pastor Jim, they would come to communion, to the Lord's Supper, and people would just take all of the food and they would keep it for themselves. And he says, why are you coming to the table? That's not what it's about. It's about the declaring of the gospel, remembering what Jesus has done for us so that we can live as his disciples here and now. 
And then he continues on in this next passage, a similar idea. Why are you gathering together, but you have the wrong focus? Why do you have the wrong focus? So here's what I want us to do. I want to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. And the parts that are underlined, I want you to call them out loud as we read scripture. Allow God to do what only he can do by the power of his Holy Spirit to transform us by the renewing of our minds. So let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and... Amen. And now there are, and there are, and there are, who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For to one is given through the Spirit utterance of, and to another the utterance of, according to the same spirit and to another by the same spirit and to another gifts of by one spirit to another the and to another and to another the ability to and to another and to another the interpretation of the tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I hope you've got some pens. Grab your worship guide. Take some notes. As we open God's word, our prayer is that you would allow Holy Spirit to transform you. Take notes. What are next steps? Where is he convicting you? Where is he challenging you? Where are some new thoughts that can help you as you follow after Jesus? So I want us to dive into that. Again, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and it is a hot mess. They have had all sorts of issues and false understandings and different ideas have weaseled their way into this gathering, this developing church community that Jesus Christ gave his life for. And there are all sorts of just different thoughts. And Paul is having to come back in, even after he planted this church, kind of set it in motion, he's having to come back and help reorient and refocus their worship. What are they fixed on as they worship when they gather? And so I think that's a sobering question for each of us today. What is your focus as you've come here to worship this morning? What have you come here for? Have you come here because the coffee's good? It's pretty good. Have you come here because this is where your friends and your family go and you just need to see them? Have you come here because you're looking for something to help make you better? And all those things, the coffee and friends and family and trying to grow, those are good things. But what is the focus of worship? When we gather together, it's not our preferences, our style of music, the type of preaching, who's communicating on the stage. It's none of those things. There's one focus, and it's God Almighty, his son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That we would gather in this place and we would have a fixed heart, mind, body on Jesus Christ, on God the Father, knowing that Holy Spirit is present in this place with us. That you would come here, you would give God the worship and the blessing and 
all that he is due. And in doing so, you would walk away changed and transformed because you've encountered the very real presence of God. That's why we've come in this place. Not because it's cultural norms, not because it's what's expected of us as good people in our community. Can I just give you just a, a, just a, a lovely news flash? There is no like social equity that you get from coming to church anymore. Like that subculture of Christianity is gone. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? That is why we gather. That's why we gather. And Paul is helping them understand that when they gather, the focus of their worship needs to be in line because you saw it. If you look with me in that passage, starting in verse one, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, hey, here's an issue that's happening in the church. Spiritual gifts gifts are real. There's something going on. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want to train you. I want to equip you. I want to help you navigate these waters. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led away by, uh, excuse me, astray to mute idols. However, you were led. So he's naming something and then he doubles down on it. And he says, you were led. Each and every one of us have a before Christ moment. And the focus of our worship is not on God and who he is and what he's calling us to We have been led, and so he's reminding them, he's instructing them to refocus, to get their eyes fixed back on Jesus. Because he goes on in verse 3, he says, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's drawn a distinction here that how we come to worship and who we understand Jesus to be makes all the difference in the world. That Jesus either is Lord of your life, meaning everything is in submission to him, or he's not Lord at all. There is no both and. This is an either or reality. That we are either submitted to Jesus Christ and continually to be shaped and sanctified and made into the image of Jesus Christ as his followers, or we choose not to be. Because what would happen in the church in Corinth, they would actually use Jesus' name because they were in this, uh, this new found church and this new group of people. They actually began to use Jesus' name as a way to kind of distance people. They would call down curses in Jesus' name as if it were some special incantation on people they didn't want to live in relationship with or people that were causing them problems in their lives. There's historians that have found these tablets with names and they would use this. And it's crazy to think about. It's not just saying we curse Jesus. We want nothing to do with Jesus. It's also them using Jesus's name against other people. Again, the focus of their worship was all wrong because they were trying to use Jesus as a tool in their life, something to wield as a power that they had versus being submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because we know in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. This is the confession of the church. This is how everything hinges for us as followers of Jesus, as people of the word of God, is on the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you say that, there's a lot of truths and realities and alignment that has to happen. Because if he's Lord, then who is not Lord? You, yourself. You are not on the throne. Jesus is to be on the throne. That's why he's laying the foundation for us as we step into this conversation about spiritual gifts is to remind us that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
I want to read a quote from you from Sinclair Ferguson. I just thought he summed it up very well when we begin to move forward in this passage. He says, when we exercise the gifts which Christ has given us, we are really saying to fellow Christians and to others, see how much Jesus Christ loves you and cares for you. Did you catch that? When we live in our areas of spiritual giftedness, it's to declare, see how much the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and cares for you. He goes on. He has sent me to serve you in this way. He's using my hands and my feet and my lips and my ears to show his love. It's a tragic mistake if we think that the message is to see what a superb Christian I am. See these wonderful gifts I have. The gifts are for service, not for self-advancement. If we walk through this passage and we began to look at the gifts and to say, how can I make myself better? We've missed the mark. You're acting like me playing against my kids in Mario Kart, doing whatever you can to win, to make sure you're on top, to make sure you're heard or understood. This is not what the spiritual gifts that Holy Spirit gives to his people are for. Jesus is Lord, we are to follow, and these gifts are meant to be used to make the name of Jesus Christ known, to serve, not for self-advancement. So it leads me to this question, and I want us to wrestle with this morning. Are you building up the faith of others with all that God has given you? I mean, that is, if we can be honest and look in the mirror and talk to ourselves, and answer that truthfully, we can realize something that for the most part, and I'm not, you may be different, but you heard from Pastor Michael Rubino last week, 80% to 90% of the churches in America are plateaued and declining. It has me answering that question collectively, capital C church, are we building up the faith of others with all that God has given us? It sure doesn't look like it. It sure doesn't look like it when 80 to 90% of the churches in America are plateaued and declining and the population continues to increase and yet we see our culture and our world are changing rapidly to things that are against the word of God. It doesn't seem like we're building up the faith of others with all that God has given us. And maybe you are, maybe you're in step with the Holy Spirit. Praise God, we need you running full bore under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, using your spiritual giftedness to advance the kingdom. But this is the call that we have because we see in verse four, it says, the, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in who? And everyone, the people who are followers of Jesus, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? The common good. The church in Corinth came to worship with the spiritual gifts that God had given them by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were not in step with one another. It was not for the common good. They were focused on themselves. Are you building up the faith of others with what God has given you? Because what we see is profound in these few verses, that it is God the Father, it is God the Son, the Lord, and it is God the Holy Spirit who is at work in these four passages. The same God who is described in Genesis 1 where the Spirit hovers over the water and God the Father speaks the word, the word that would become flesh. 
the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son are at work to empower his church to be who she's meant to be, a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden, people that have community impact and global ripple effects because of the way that we live, love, and serve one another. Are you using the gifts God has given you to build up the faith of others? Because God Almighty is at work and he wants to work in us and through us for his glory, for his name, to see his kingdom come and his will be done across the world. I think for us, as we dive into this passage, we begin to see and feel some of the tensions that the church in Corinth is feeling. That God has more in store for us if we would have the right focus, remembering that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Because the greatest failure of the church in Corinth was the fact that they would come together to worship but they sought their own benefit. Paul is writing to this church and he's writing to us. Chapel Point, do we have our eyes fixed? Did we come in this place to seek the common good of one another? And I want you to just look around the room real quick. Make it, it, you know, socially awkward. If you have the long stare, you make eye contact. It's like, oh gosh. We are here to seek the common good. And, I, I, and just even as I, I look out and I see a lot, of, a lot of you that I recognize and I know some of your stories, like we're here for one another. We're here to serve one another, to bring the gifts of encouragement and knowledge and wisdom, hospitality, all these things that are listed in all these different passages to serve one another so that we are built up that we become the men, the women, and the students and the kids God has called us to be. This is what the passage is all about. It's not about the gifts. It's about the giver and how are we responding passionately to the giver of these gifts. You tracking with me? God has more for us, Chapel Point. God has more for us. It goes on to say this in 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. And it's, I want you to just write this down. You can come back to it. You can dive into it in your small groups. Um, because this passage echoes Paul, but it's a completely different writer to a completely different group of people. But yet God is orchestrating the writing of his word through different people at different times to say the same exact thing. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's steward, as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you've got a Bible, I want you to underline that. It's like one of my favorite phrases. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This prayer, this admonition, this encouragement from Peter is similar to what Paul is doing to the church in Corinth saying, your gifts are not for you. Your gifts are not to end on you. They are not about you. Your gifts are for the body. They are for other people. You are to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How many of you have held up a kaleidoscope before? 
Everyone in the room, everyone should know what a kaleidoscope is, right? The tube with all the broken glass and you hold it up to the light and you what? You, you turn it, you twist it. And then what do you see? Pretty shapes and colors. That's exactly what that word varied grace means. It means God's kaleidoscopic grace. That each and every one of us are broken pieces because of sin in our lives. But when empowered by the Holy Spirit, there is this kaleidoscopic grace that is meant to be seen by the people around us that is beautiful, that gives glory and honor to God because it, it stirs within us, even the oldest of us in the room, you can hold up a kaleidoscope and go, huh, that's cool. You know what that is? That is the idea of worship springing up from within. Wow, that's amazing. That is cool. That is beautiful and good. And you and I are meant to be held up with this kaleidoscopic grace for the common good to build up one another. That's what we are called to do as a church. If the churches are healthy and they're serving one another, you know what it is? A loud megaphone to the community and the people around us. God is at work. question for us this morning to wrestle with. If God didn't show up in this place, would we be able to still have a good worship service? If God didn't show up in this place and empower us by the gifts of his Holy Spirit, would we be the church we're called to be? And the answer is no. But we could come into this place and have good music and good coffee and good hang time and fellowship. But that's not enough, friends. It's not enough. We are called to be the church with this kaleidoscopic grace to build up one another for the glory, dominion of Jesus Christ, God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What we have to realize this morning is this. It all falls underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord? And if so, God wants to be at work in you and through you and is at work in you and through you. Sometimes we're just a little hard, hard of hearing and it takes a little bit uh, more work for God to get through the things that we, uh, he wants in our lives. Is God our Lord? And if so, church, he has more for us. And when he goes on to say in the next passages, verse, in the next part of the verses, verses 8 through 10, for, what, for to one is given the spirit of utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, and to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between the spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretations of the tongues." I want to be very cautious. I want to wave like a little yellow caution flag here. My prayer is that we talk about this next section, that we remember the purpose, all the groundwork, the focus, the lordship of who Jesus is in our lives. These gifts are not about us. It is to build up the church. May we not get lost in lists. May we not get lost in the gifts, but we would be so captivated, enthralled, by the giver of these gifts, a God who loves you and has made a way for you through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection. That is the focus of this. We are simply conduits of grace. 
Maybe that's a helpful image for us as we think about this next part of this passage, that you and I are conduits of God's grace, for his grace to go from one person to the next. And we just get to happen to be this piece in the puzzle, in the chain that allows God's grace to flow through us into the lives of another person. And if it happens to use these gifts, praise be to God. We are simply conduits of God's grace. I mean, like, isn't that incredible to think about for a moment that the God of all creation invites you and I into a relationship to be conduits for his grace? He doesn't need us, but he chooses us and he works through us. What a gift! What a gift of God. And so you see these lists he calls out again. This is not an exhaustive list. There's lots of nuance. And we could spend a whole entire like weekend long conference talking about these different things and the different ideas that come with them. I wonder if that's one of been some of the confusion in our churches is because we'd rather talk about these ideas than actually live out our faith. We'd rather talk about the gifts than actually use the gifts. And however they choose to manifest themselves, as the scripture says, it's not us creating them or conjuring them up. It is God choosing to do and to work through us in ways that we have no power or authority over. And so he talks about wisdom, this understanding to give insight of how the world works and how God is working in the working through the scriptures to knowledge, to help people understand the word of God and to make it simple, to make it understandable. This idea of knowledge, seeing how is God's word bringing things to life, faith, this ability to, to believe beyond what makes sense. And I think for some of us, we, we walk into dark circumstances and we think, how is God ever going to work in this situation? And then someone comes along with the gift of faith to, to pray for us, say, it's going to be okay. God's got you. It's a gift of faith that you're giving to build up one another. What a grace of God. Healing, the ability to see bodies restored, miracles to something crazy to happen that doesn't make sense, that makes no sense. But the reality is this. We live in a supernatural battle. We live in a world that has all the answers in this materialism in our community, in this Western culture. But the reality is we have a God who is at work in ways that we cannot see and an enemy who is at work in ways we cannot see. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but what I do know is that my faith in Jesus Christ tells me that he is the Lord. And if he's the Lord and the rest of the scriptures are true, which they are, then I'm gonna follow him and not sweat all the details. Because God is good and God is at work. Prophecy, the ability to help people understand the clarity of the scriptures, the word prophecy is not fortune telling. It's not someone coming alongside of, I see good things in store for you in the future. That's not what this is. For God has already revealed himself through his word of God and he has made himself known. So these gifts are not new words from God. It's understanding what's happening through the word of God around us to see lives transformed. The ability to discern these spirits, like I said, because God is at work and the enemy is at work in our world and be able to determine between those two. That's what discerning spirits. Tongues and interpretations of tongues. My understanding of the, of the scripture and diving into this, this Greek word tongues could be translated as nations as well. So the ability to use other languages to communicate the gospel, to build up the faith. I've seen this gift firsthand with Pastor Nathan in the Philippines almost a year ago. 
All of a sudden, he gets up to lead worship, and the brother man just starts going to town in Tagalog while playing piano. I was like, what just happened? That's 23 years of relationship that he had built up, and God had used a supernatural gift for him to quickly learn in these two-week, 23 trips over time how to sing and to communicate in a language that I still don't know what they're saying. But God is using him in a way to have gospel influence, and they are about to touch down in the ground of Philippines so that the church is built up, that the common good, our good, and the good of our brothers and sisters in the Philippines are going to be built up. This is how we as a church are at work. The same with interpretations. It's hearing, it's understanding, and making known. Wouldn't it be a blessing to have a brother who speaks another language come up here, open the word of God, and speak the truth, and have someone help translate that, and our faith is built up? That would be a gift. That would be a grace of God that he would be pouring out for us. And as you look at those lists, I, we just have to walk through them, but I don't want us to get lost in them. I don't want us to lose sight of what is it all about, Jesus Christ and his lordship in our lives. I do want you to know, you even heard uh, John call it out, one of the core values from starting point to membership to anytime you talk to anyone on our staff, pastors, directors, any of our ministry leaders, our desires that you would live in your areas of spiritual giftedness. That is a huge thing for us as a church because if you're not living in your areas of spiritual giftedness, we are missing out as a church family. We need you to use your gifts to build up the family of God, to have kingdom impact in West Michigan, across the street, across the world. We need you. God wants to use you. And so I want you to, there is a QR code for you to take a spiritual gift assessment up here. So you can take that down. Or you can go to the website. It's on Chapel Point's website somewhere there. Uh, but you can take a picture of that or QR code that, whatever. It is a simple assessment. We are not God. We are not Holy Spirit, but it begins a conversation with us. And as soon as you fill that out, you'll, uh, one of our pastors is going to reach out to you and connect with you to help you take a next step, to help you live in your area of spiritual giftedness. And it would be one of the most incredible joys and honor for us to walk alongside you. And some other ways for you to help assess what is God doing in your life? Because can I tell you something? 20% of those of you who are members and attenders of Chapel Point, 20% of you are active in using your spiritual gifts. Let me actually, let me, let me call this quote out because uh, one of our pastors gave us this deal. 20% of our church is serving currently, meaning green lanyards, helping out on Sunday mornings in some capacity. 20% of you are engaged in that. Regular monthly attenders. And we are crazy grateful for you. You want to know that one of the best places to find out what your spiritual gifts are is in community with one another. Maybe your next step is just to find a place to serve to just jump in in relationships and begin to figure out how is God growing you? How is the faith of the people around you building up your faith so that you can build up the faith of others? What's God laid on your heart? What are friends and family and pastors in your lives? What are they seeing and calling out in you? Where do your passions and desires and your interests, where do they intersect with what you think God is calling you to? Do you have a passion for working uh, like in schools and helping disciple and raise up other kids? And we have some amazing ministry opportunities for you to serve alongside. Where do you feel Jesus is leading you? Where is he calling you? Say, hey, this may not make a whole lot of sense, but come follow me here. Friends in the room, we need you to live in your area of spiritual giftedness.
because the church is hurting in America. 80 to 90% plateaued or declining. Our communities need us to rise up and to stand up. Are you living in your area of spiritual giftedness? If you're not, we're missing out on some of that kaleidoscopic grace that God wants to shine and show his glory through. We need you. We need you. That's why verse 11, I think, is so powerful. All these, all these gifts that Paul just names, they're empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Not according to our wills, not according to our desires, according to his will, because he is the Lord and we get to follow him. How has God gifted you so that you can be a conduit for his grace? I mean, this, this kind of idea wrecks me for a minute. Maybe the reality is that our churches are in such a state of disrepair. Maybe our culture and our communities around us are in the state that we're all kind of in this like tense moment of panic and fear and worry and we're seeing things that don't line up with the scripture. Could it be because you and I and our other brothers and sisters are not living and using the spiritual gifts that God has called them to live? We've resigned the fact that we can come in on a Sunday morning, come to church, check a box, walk out, have a family dinner, and who gives a rip? Is that what the problem is? We have so much more to do for the kingdom because he has done everything for us. He has made a way through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bore our sins on himself, dying to them on the cross, burying them in the grave, and three days later walking out on the other side and he says, come on, let's go, follow me. Follow me and I will empower you with gifts and abilities and strengths that will allow you to be the city on a hill that people find refuge and hope. The church is not meant to be a refuge from the world. It's meant to be a refuge for the world. It's meant to be a place where the sick come and find healing, where people are praying for one another without some pastor saying, it's time to pray for everybody. Like, no, it is time for us to live out our faith. The gifts God has given us, it's time for you to use the knowledge and the wisdom you have to speak boldly. It's time for you to use those gifts of that Spanish class. For some reason, you still manage to understand all Spanish, even though you haven't been in a Spanish-speaking context. It's time for you to move somewhere where they speak Spanish. I don't know, whatever God is calling you to do, it is time. May we be the church that we are called to be because for the joy set before him, Jesus Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he told his disciples, it's better for me to go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit so that we can be his church, his people, his conduits of grace. May we respond. May we respond passionately today to serve him faithfully because Jesus Christ is the Lord. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite you to respond to the word of God, to respond to the gospel. I'm gonna do this. 
If you are an elder, a deacon, a small group leader, or a staff member in the other room, I want to invite you to stand up. Call on a wicked audible. Sorry, guys. Please like me later. These are some amazing folks that I love dearly because we've got to share a lot of life together. And if you need to have someone pray for you right now, you need to know what it means to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life as we invite everyone to stand and worship through singing. I want you to go to one of these people. I want you to walk straight to the prayer room because we get to be the church to build up the faith of one another. We get to do it together, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so as I pray, we will stand and worship and sing in Christ alone, this beautiful prayer and praise and proclamation. But we get to respond to God. I'm inviting you, if the Lord is stirring your heart, to move. In the tiered seatings, you see some folks down here. Move to action to respond how God is leading you. We are here to help you take a next step to be the transformed follower of Jesus Christ you're called to be. Lord Jesus, I come and I say thank you. I, oh my goodness, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence that is here with us. God, would you move in power? Would you continue to transform us? God, we do not come to church to just sit. We've come to be the church. Holy Spirit, have your way. Convict us, challenge us, empower us, move through us, God, for your glory, for your name, Jesus Christ. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and there is no other name because your word tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And so my prayer for us is that today everyone in this room bows the knee and says Jesus is Lord so that you can work through us. God, we are yours. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.